the Democrats yesterday and today have managed to get themselves, shall we say, thunderstruck. Yeah. I am the Political Superman, and this is Political Straight Talk. We are coming to you live from the water-ravaged, flood-soaked, water plain way too high, southeastern United States. Hmm. The time, 8.06 on the east coast, 5.06 on the left coast, and boy, are Democrats stupid. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. Whoever told those idiots yesterday to vote to kill a living child has put the nail in the coffin, put the nail in the vault, put the dirt on top of them, and patted it down with that little dirt packing machine they have, poured it over with concrete, and put a R.I.P. thing on top of the Democratic Party for 20 and 20. Mm-hmm. Here are some facts. 17 different polls taken over the past six months have shown that steadily people in the United States are becoming more and more pro-life. And the reason they're coming more and more pro-life is because of this stupidity and lunacy. Because you cannot tell me that the majority of pro-choice people the majority being the key word, would want to kill a baby that has successfully survived an abortion. And any person on God's given earth that would support past that, even even that, we're not even going to talk about the abortion part of it. Let's talk about the fact that this baby survived. I, your wonderful host, am a survivor of that very procedure. And I will tell you, that anybody that chooses to allow a baby to lay on a table in an incubator on the floor and die is guilty of murder. You are a murderer. Any person that would enable it by their vote, enable it by their voice, enable it by sitting at home on the couch watching TV and not going out to stop it, you are a murderer. The Bible does not say, thou shalt not kill. The Bible says, thou shalt not murder. And I will tell you, if you do nothing, you are a murderer. If you vote against, you are a murderer. If you advocate for, you are a murderer. If you are the one doing the procedure, a nurse assisting in the procedure, you are a murderer. Period. Now, everybody can get on your high horse. You can say I'm wrong. You can say, well, you know what? I couldn't go vote that day or or I didn't know. Bullshit. You just forgot one thing after you said you are a murderer. You should have said, and you need to repent. You know what? At the end of the day, the pastor side of me, yes, my job is to give you the tools and the knowledge to do that very thing. But I'm not responsible for you repenting. I'm not responsible for your salvation. You're responsible for your salvation. And unfortunately, in this day and time, there are so many people in the church houses, in the state houses, on the houses on Main Street, that are so far gone 
that they don't hear the knock on the door. But that's for Sunday nights, folks. This is Tuesday night where we yell and holler about politics. So that's what we're going to do. May I share something that Kamala Harris posted to Twitter? You may when I'm done with my monologue. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Listen, I'm on a roll on this monologue and do not (laughs) this monologue. There was another vote today, which I found quite interesting, in the House of Representatives happened about two hours ago, two and a half hours ago, and that is to vote to block the emergency declaration by the White House on our southern border. Now, other than a couple of Democrats crossing over, a couple of Democrats did cross, but for the most part, it was a party-line vote in the House to advance it to the Senate to block the president's emergency declaration. If for some reason it manages to get out of the Senate, I will tell you there are a few Republicans in the Senate that think the state of emergency declaration is kind of gone too far or shouldn't isn't warranted. So it is possible that they vote for it and it goes out of the Senate. I doubt it. I don't think it's going to reach the 60-vote threshold, but if it does, it's going to get vetoed, and then um, it still goes on. The courts are going to get involved. And, and, you know, I don't normally listen to Mark Levin because he's enough to make your head hurt after about five minutes. And he did lay out a very good case for why the president will be upheld in this uh, particular scenario. So I am. Uh, I thought the case was good. They went through line by line in the Constitution. I'm just going to tell you, I do believe that the president will win this. Uh, the question that one has to ask is, even though he wins this, will he truly win it? And And that's... That's one of the the things that you have to kind of. But Congress gave him the power. That's what's funny about it. Um. Yes, the power was given, and it was given what seventy years ago, eighty years ago. So yes, I, I'm I'm well aware of what Congress did. And if this were a Democrat making the same declaration, there'd be no question about it. Okay, if Obama did this. It'd be praised as a great innovative maneuver, blah, blah, blah. Okay, but the truth is it's not the Democrat or it's not the Democrat president that did it, it's a Republican, and so we have to be prepared for that. But that's okay. It's not that isn't one of the issues we're gonna get super hung up on. I, I wanna spend uh, I wanna spend some time uh, on Kamala Harris <laughs> uh, and uh, people out in California. So let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to Kamala Harris. I know you're busting at the seams to talk about her statement about sex work, such as prostitution, should be legalized. Uh, she did make the statement, but everybody needs to understand something. She's pandering for votes, okay? Mm-hmm. 
Um, she is uh, <laughs> she works hard for money. She works hard for money. <laughs> oh, anyway. <laughs> Ooh. I, I yeah. You know what? She's an idiot and the more she talks the more she's irrelevant. Matter of fact, right now, the most interesting Democrat in the race that could win the presidency isn't even in the race yet. But it's coming. Well, there's a reason Biden hadn't officially jumped in yet. He's kind of testing the waters. He's waiting to see what Michelle Obama does. Uh, be interesting. She can't beat Trump. Because no matter how much anybody, no matter how much anybody may dislike Trump, they don't want any more of Obama. Yeah, but I thought you said at one point she could be him. Um, she could if all the cards fell in the right place. But right now, given the last few days of what the Democrats have done. The yeah. Democrats are, are sealing their fate. Because uh-huh. um, I'm going to tell you, the blue-collar Democrats that still manage to vote for the Democratic Party, um, they're pro-life. And this most recent stunt isn't endearing them any votes. The whole move by OAC and her crap, or AOC or whatever she's being called this week, Um. I'm just going to tell you, she she's the leader of the Democratic Party right now. You have a 29-year-old idiot leading the Democratic Party. Yeah, Alexandria, occasionally coherent. <laughs> well, nothing she's her mind only. Nothing, nothing she said to me seems to be coherent now saying that we've reached the point where we shouldn't have children well too bad somebody didn't tell that to her parents 29 years ago I mean at the end of the day I mean she is she is number one going to be a one term wonder and in New York politics that's unheard of secondly I, I think that the Democratic Party of New York is just sitting back waiting Okay, they're waiting. With every day that goes by, she says something more and more stupid. And they're going to get that that really... I'll tell you what's going to happen. Somebody's going to play the ad. Somebody's going to play an ad of Amazon and 25,000 jobs going poof. Uh In Queens, New York. And she's going to be toast. They've already started in Times Square. They've got a huge... Um, poster up there. Yeah, Thanks but the billboard, nothing. the billboard's being paid for by conservative Republicans. No. Very pro-business conservative Republican group. Mm-hmm. So it's it's with Can her. You know about the latest that's leaving New York. No. Remington. Mm-hmm. Remington. Uh, uh, Remington announced two years ago they were leaving, so that's no biggie. Well, they announced again. 
Yeah, they announced two years ago. Most of your gun manufacturers are going to be heading south Mm -hmm. to friendlier turf. You're going to see New York. New York's got a fundamental problem. And the fundamental problem isn't that New York's a bad place to live or work, because it's not. It's run by liberals that are running it in the ground. And that is what's causing the problem. Okay, and yes, the 25,000 jobs for Queens, New York, that is a, that's a huge, I mean, people don't understand what just happened there. Okay, you, huh. if, if I were the people of Queens, I would be standing out in front of Cortez's local offices every day. Apparently she doesn't have any. What I read. Um, that's quite stupid if she don't. Well, I, I, I think that I think a lot of it has to do with the employees that were moving with Amazon, because they came in. They were looking at Indianapolis at one point, and when they were doing that, they were real um, adamant about uh, how the gay community had to be served. In other words, you need to have this, 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 and this. Well, and they were bringing in, right, and but 15... There's a whole lot of people that pushed back against it, and so they did not choose here. 15. Uh, all I'm saying is is that I, I believe that um, it was the uh, uh, state tax deal that New York did with their, with their people when they passed the tax reform for the country that they pushed back on that they that that created a big issue for them uh, because they can't write off certain taxes that they're used well, to writing. Well, New- I read that the um, them pulling out cost like twelve billion dollars in salaries. It it costs been- quite a bit. It costs quite a bit of money because yeah. only of the twenty five thousand, only six thousand were coming with them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're looking at 19,000 new jobs mm-hmm. being created in Queens, New York, which everybody knows Queens could use some revitalization. Oh, yeah. And so problem number one there, the tax base for New York City, number two, and more importantly, the tax base for New York State. Because if you look, um, I'll use Rush Limbaugh as an example. Rush used to base everything out of New York City. Right. And what happened was they were taxing his personal income and his business income, which everybody knows he owns the EIB network. Well... New York raised its rates. New York City raised the tax rates. New York as a whole raised the tax rates. So he pulled his income out of there, sold all of his property, and they use a satellite station on W, I want to say WABC, which rents from Westwood One, or Westwood One rents from WABC. But anyway, and they just use a satellite there, so they pay for a satellite time. And he does everything through Florida. South Florida now. So, 
You look at all the big names. As a matter of fact, I think they said for every New York, New York as a whole will have a net loss in this census of huge numbers. Your blue states are going to have net losses, and they know it. And then you have red states, Tennessee, uh, Florida, Arkansas, um, are going to show net gains because they're very pro-business. So that takes me into the next one here. And and I know there's some of us that listen to the show that are pro-union, and some that listen to the show are anti-union, and then there are others that just don't know what the hell's going on. The... I'm told I have to come back to Barbara. Barbara. Why? I don't know. Oh, about Camilla Harris? Let me pull that up there. Um, she, She said on Twitter, detaining pregnant women who have fled their home in search of safety is inhumane and unsafe. What, what women? Pregnant women. Left what home? They're, she's talking about the illegal immigrants. You turn their asses right back around and you send them back to where they come from. And I responded to her by saying, inhumane and unsafe? You just voted no on, you know, you voted to kill babies. I said, they have no rights. You took away their rights. I said, and according to the Declaration of Independence, that we are all created in God uh, equal, and they are to enjoy the liberty, you know. Oh, God, I can't think of it now. Inalienable rights. They have no rights now. Okay. And if she did if she did this for votes, she ain't gonna get many. No, I, I don't she remember there are first tier candidates, second tier candidates and then there's Camilla Harris. <laughs> <sighs> All right, so let's go yeah, let's go ahead and do the union story, and then I'm going to come back around to the Methodist. The United Auto Workers Union has announced today that they are going to sue General Motors, or as they are now known, Government Motors, since they have to uh, produce what the government says, since the government owns quite a bit of Government Motors. And they're going to sue because GM has announced they're closing several plants and consolidating and using existing plants that they have in other places and moving a lot of their production into different areas. Now, here's why the UAW is sue happy. Because they're moving a lot of their production from northern states to southern states. Why is that? Because you still have unions. 
although the contracts are different. And so the UAW, knowing what's going to come next, is suing to keep them in very pro-union states, Michigan, Wisconsin, etc. Now, here's what happened next. Here's what happens next. In many, many states across this wonderful union, the people of these various unions have sued. And they have sued because they're paying for dues to a union that claims to represent them, but they spend the majority of their money doing what? Political activities. The majority of the union money raised in this country goes to that very reason. Very, very, very many courts are ruling that people don't have to be members. That the union can still collect a bargain and, and negotiate on behalf of everybody, but if a person doesn't want to pay the union and doesn't want to have their money go for political activities, they shouldn't have to. So let's talk about unions. The teachers' unions. And I will use two states that I'm very aware of about the teachers' unions. The great state of Wisconsin and the state of Tennessee. The day after the ruling went into effect, stripping them of collective bargaining power and making it to where teachers did not have to pay the unions, over half of all teachers in both states dropped out of the unions. There is a measure in Arizona, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Nevada, Utah, to strip teachers' unions. Oklahoma and Arizona, theirs comes at a very good time because teachers stage weeks and weeks of walkouts demanding unrealistic raises and expectations. The people of Oklahoma and Arizona will both vote to strip. They will be stripped. Okay? You can both legislatures controlled by Republicans, they will be stripped. Hallelujah. This is what's going to happen to the auto workers' unions. They will be stripped. They will be told, you do not have to be a member of this union to work here. Power companies across the country are doing it. There have been several lawsuits filed in every state to strip the various unions of, because most people don't know, but in order to be employed, with most power companies or a utility company, you have to be a member of a union. Okay? They're stripping them. They're saying, look, this is stupid. If you want to be a part of it, fine. Put your money to it. If you don't, no. So, I am. Uh, I will tell you that we need to watch how this plays out. Remember, there was a case out of Illinois that's already been decided. Mm -hmm. And... The, the ruling of that was very narrow, uh, but it will, it will expand. It's going to expand. And I think that we're finally beginning to see the death nail in the coffin of unions, and that's a good thing. That is a great thing, actually. And then what you'll have rise up are co-ops, and the co-ops will negotiate with employers 
which are successfully being done. Unions as we know them have outlived their usefulness, and it's time for them to go. And as a result, we'll bring back a lot of manufacturing jobs. We'll bring back other jobs that have migrated their way out because, listen, I'm just going to tell it, there's no sense paying somebody 20 bucks an hour to screw a lug nut onto a tire. Mm-hmm. That job does not match the pay. Okay? Just doesn't. Now, like I said, I know there's quite a few in the audience that are very pro-union, and that's okay. Um, not every aspect of a union is bad. However, the unions... Uh, uh, the unions have definitely outlived their their usefulness. And by the way, for those of you complaining about my music, it was simply a uh, to reference. Uh, oh shoot! Thunderstruck. Hmm. Okay, Barbara, there was a particular topic you wanted to discuss tonight, so go ahead. I did? Yeah, something about old Cortez. Oh, well, you know, she... can't think now. Other than the fact she was standing in her kitchen looking chilly and then giving her views on, you know, what we should do as a country. And, um, you know, you touched on um, whether we should have, continue to have children or not. And uh, I don't know what was the other thing. <clears throat> She's just getting more ridiculous as each day passes. Um, she may be the leader of the Democratic Party in name only, and then she comes back and says, well, if you, everybody talks about the Green New Deal and how irreverent irreverent it is and how it won't work. Well, you come up with an idea. Otherwise, I'm the boss. Really? No, we the people are the boss. We the people elected you. Never find these people. I'm going to have them deported. (laughs) But her 15 minutes is just about up. You know, I'm sorry. She's going to continue to try to make ways and, you know, I think that people will eventually, in the Democrat Party, start to see just how ignorant she really is. And they're leading, and she's leading them down a path of no return. So that's all I have to say. (laughs) And we've lost our host. No, I'm here. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. 
All right. So, well, <laughs> there's just so much. I uh, Michael Cohen, um, you know, much ado about nothing with him. Anything he's going to go and and Rush said it best today. Rush said, "Look, if he had anything to offer, the prosecutors would be talking to him. He would have gotten a letter of understanding for cooperation. He wouldn't be headed to the slammer." And at the end of the day, do we really, you know, do we really pay him attention? I mean, is he providing anything that we don't already know? And the truth is, I don't think so. What say y'all? Okay, I'm going to say something here. And the only thing I'm going to say is this. Um, On the surface, here's how I see it. Once a liar, can't be trusted. He's already been proven a liar. He lied to Congress. That's why he's going to jail. Okay? That's first and foremost. However, let us not forget whether it was written, written answer to questions or, or whether it was a testimony that was given live, which we know it was written by our president and submitted to Congress. The only thing that I can see that they may try to do is trip him up based on something there. Now, again, even with that, even this is what crossed my mind today. Even with that, if it did, if if they if they were to, to somehow or another catch him in something there, that is not. It would have to be something really, really huge that was like, you know, there is just no turning back from it, because this guy has nothing to lose anymore. Okay, he's already been caught in a lie. He's already looking at jail time. You know, how do you put he, – he, he has no credibility as a witness, in other words. So, on, again, on the surface, I don't see it really going anywhere. If there's anything that I think they might have up their sleeve to try, it's to try to, you know, have a conflict with the written answers that were submitted. So that's my take on it. But the president didn't submit those answers. No. And that's the issue. But I mean the president didn't submit the answers. The president never submitted any answers to anything. Oh, that's not what I heard. There was a report that his attorneys and so forth had him. They wanted him to testify. And they were and all of them came out and said absolutely not. And so he said that he would give written answers to questions and those were submitted. They were never you might root, want to look root. into it. I mean, I, I will even check it myself, too, because I remember hearing about it, but I didn't ever, like, investigate there was, research on it. No questions were ever submitted. Really, Giuliani said that they would answer written questions, but they were never submitted. Right. Here's the big thing that people don't understand about the Russia probe. President Trump is not, has not, and was not the focus. Okay, who was then? Um, his campaign manager, Manafort? No, remember, they yeah. never, they charged 15 foreign nationals with meddling in the election. 
15 people that they thought were never going to come forward and try to clear their name. That were Russians. They passed no, those indict- indictments, didn't they? No American has been charged with it. Mm-mm. Paul Manafort was indicted for tax evasion and not registering as a foreign agent because he was aiding the Ukraine. That's what he was. That's what he's in jail for. Not nothing to do with Trump because he was only on the campaign for a hundred days. Uh, and and this, I will this, tell you, if if Cohen had anything to offer, Trump would have already worked out a deal to pardon him. Oh yeah, Cohen Cohen latched on to Trump because he saw dollar signs, and he got greedy, and he got into things that that were illegal, and he got caught. He got caught. Yeah, that's exactly right. And he's trying to lie himself out of it now by trying to implicate a sitting president, which is not going to work. So he's already lied once. I mean, the, the business that they have talked to him behind closed doors about Russia, why? I mean, he's got anything to say. He's going to lie anyway. Let him do it in public. Well, now I did. I was under the impression that they weren't. Uh, that he had said on the upfront he wasn't going to answer questions about Russia. No, they did for two days behind closed doors. Tomorrow is going to be public. So, and and this this um, Adam Schiff brains. <laughs> um, Schiff brains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's something that won't get you banned off certain social media. Um, now he's coming out and saying that he's going to, if if the report from Mueller isn't what he wants it to be, that you have to read between the lines. If if Mueller doesn't uh, connect Trump to collusion, and and Adam Schiff knows that there is no collusion. There's more collusion on his part than there is on Trump. That he's going to subpoena Robert Bueller and file a lawsuit with the DOJ to make this report public. Well, that's up to Attorney General now. And from what I hear, the Attorney General will take it into consideration and release what he thinks is appropriate because a lot of that stuff has to do with national security. So they're they're just they're they're desperate. Well, the issue is that Democrats know that parts of that report's never going to be released and that it has nothing to do with Trump. But they're going to grandstand and hoo-ha and try to get things released to make it seem like they're trying everything to be transparent and and Trump has just got a lot to hide. Mm -hmm. And what do you think about all these... It's not going to go anywhere, but is it 19 states who have now, oh, New Jersey said 
that they won't allow President Trump's name to be on the ballot in 2020 until he releases his tax returns. Well, good luck with that because when yeah. it comes to federal elections, federal law governs what has to be done. There are some certain state nuances. But is New Jersey a state that he wins anyway? No. No. Frankly, it's none of their business. It's none of anybody's business about his tax returns. You know, I mean, (laughs) and then there are the 19 states who have filed that they want to do away, all blue states, mind you, I do away with the Electoral College. Well, good luck with that, too. Well, that requires changing the Constitution. Right. It also requires changing the type of nation we are. Yep. And Framers put it in there for a reason. They may end up they may end up getting that changed. I'm not gonna say they won't. But it won't be in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Well, Okay, so what you're saying, then, is that you believe that the direction in which this country is headed is towards um, basically fundamentally uh, taking apart the country, because that's what it would require. I think before biblical, I think before biblical prophecy is fulfilled, the United States and Great Britain will fall. And I think that, well, I know that they will fall before biblical prophecy is fulfilled. Um, Because Great Britain, the United States, and Israel are the only three things that basically are are keeping the world in check. Mm -hmm. If China and Russia had their way, they'd be running roughshod over everybody. But Russia and China are not so stupid as to think people-wise, <laughs> yes, they could create larger armies than the United States can muster, okay? But there's a difference in the Chinese army and the Russian army and the United States military. The United States military would be fighting for a reason and fighting for what we believe in. And we have technology that will outdo anything that the worn-out Russians and the idiotic Chinese have. Okay, their their one battleship that they have, the one supercarrier that they've got, <laughs> is already plagued with troubles. <laughs> Why? Because the United States uh, sent them some doctored up stuff. They knew the Russians or the Chinese were stealing our technology, so we screwed with it. Oh God. So. Um, but yes, the United States, are we headed, listen, unless there's a revival throughout the land and there's just a sudden shift in the direction of this country, Great Britain, and even Israel, um, we've started the final descent into the last uh, chapters of Revelation. I'm sorry? I hope I'm not alive to see it. Um, it doesn't matter to me. I'm blood bought and I'm out of here on the first train. They're gonna be singing left behind and it ain't gonna be me. (sighs) 
Okay. So, yeah. And then there's I, I, the theologian you know, that goes back and forth and back and forth. The biggest debate ever, rapture before or after the seven years of tribulation. Well, so, you got to go. You got to go. You got to go with biblical text. And biblical text is very clear how it goes. It's very clear that there is no debate on it. That that is not something that theologians should even be debating about because John. So you're looking at just the chronological order in which it's given in the Bible. You give it. John was given things in order that they would happen. When he was sent to Patmos, he was told, "Hey, these things that you will see." How it's going to go? Yes. He was told okay. very clearly. Yeah, I mean, it's right there. No, no, black I, and know, white. I know that, and I know he was the author. I'm just saying, <coughs> um, you know, that there's big debate there. Well, I people have a right to be wrong. And, you know, um, uh, but it, you know what? It's part of, here or there, because the fact of the matter is, is the Lord is with us. And, part of, well, see, that's, and so and that's another reason. too much about it. Well, see, that's another reason why people need to be mindful. Because when the rapture happens, because the Bible says that when the rapture happens, what's going to happen immediately after? Satan's going to be turned loose to destroy, and it lists out. What are they going to destroy? Okay. So the church gets to miss most of that. Now, is there a chance for redemption during that period? Yes, but it's very limited. And very few people will get it. And, it's, I mean, it's, it's right there, very clear. Um, most, most pastors nowadays stay away from Revelation. Me, I'll jump right in it. I don't care. Um, actually, but, I know several that have actually done study in, on it, you know, at least here locally where I've been, you know. And, and some will locally. I'm talking about more of your, your national. The larger ones. Talk about, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that leads me to Joe Olstein. Oh Lord, do we have oh, to go there? God. Oh God. Well, I was just right. going to point out I've not seen him much on TV. <laughs> well, I'm uh, just going to order spring water. <laughs> he's not the one that does spring water. That's that guy that does camp meetings. Oh, I, I wish know. I could remember his name. Starts with a P. I know. He's got a well, then there's another one out, out of Columbus, Ohio, that has the prayer. Uh, you're, you're talking about you're talking about Rod Parsley. Yeah, I know who that is. Oh, Rod. Yeah. Um, and you know something? I'm going to tell you. I'm just going to say straight up here. No matter who you're talking about, when it comes to TV preachers, uh, you know, I, I'm not. I don't know their hearts. God knows their hearts. Um, but I, I do believe that there is a and accountability on the part of those who are called to preach and what they preach. Of, of all the televangelists I know um, that I've seen, I've heard, I give respect to the following. Uh, Billy Graham, um, Adrian Rogers, Charles Stanley, Paul and Jim. Uh, who? David Jeremiah. Paul and Who? Jan. <laughs> Jeremiah. You know, I'm I'm going to tell you something about Paul. I, I think Paul was legit. <laughs> Jan, I don't care much for, but Paul, I think they, I think his heart was in the right place when he started it. And yeah. you said Dr. Jeremiah. 
But he doesn't, yes, but he doesn't do, he's more of a lecturer, uh, evangelist. He's very good. He's kind of like a Max Lucado. He's good. He's, Max Lucado, you know, I can, I can deal with him. I agree with most of his teachings. Um, I like Max. I mean, he's got, he, he's a good author. Uh, I want Jeremiah has a new, uh, Dave Jeremiah has a new uh, Bible based on his, a lot of his research. I want to no. get that. Um, let's see. What do you uh, think about Gary Stone? Who? Gary Stone. Yeah, no Dan. comment. Jan, Jan cried all the time. Yeah, I I, I haven't gotten through my I haven't gotten through my list of respected. Oh, sorry, people sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Excuse me, pardon me. I have a lot of respect for John Hagee, Cornerstone Church in Texas. Been there. Listen, he's an in-your-face, hellfire and brimstone preacher, but I like him. He's very good. Yeah, he is. Very. He's about very as close to Catholic as being one. <laughs> Ooh, he's he is. Uh, he's he's a got, He's gotten into the Catholic's rear end a few times. Yeah. He'll 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 flat out tell you where he thinks they're all going. So do a lot of Catholic priests. So do a lot of Catholic priests. Um. Oh wow. <laughs> Shame on you. I know. What did she say? I said that he he gets in a lot of Catholics' hind ends, and he said she said so to the Catholic priests. <laughs> Shame on I'm you. sorry, I don't mean to laugh because that's horrific behavior. <laughs> <laughs> but it's almost like if you don't laugh, you cry, you know? Right. I mean, it is just so incredibly sad <clears throat> to think children have been misused so then, badly in our country and in this world, and it just makes me sick. And then there are, in in Islam, it makes me ill. Then there are here some. Comes, here comes the Pope denouncing all this, defrauding well, a cardinal, but you're not addressing the situation. Well, the, the problem, the, we'll come to that last. Let's finish this. There are a couple of good teachers out there. They claim to be preachers, but they're more teachers. Um, Joyce Meyer is a good teacher. She is not a pastor. She is not, um, she's a good teacher. The way that her organizations run, I totally disagree with, and they're not following biblical principle. How she does behind the scenes sometimes is not biblical. Um, but all of us have that burden. What's unbiblical of, about it, out of curiosity? About which About for, which part? Huh? About which part? How her she organization? runs the organization and so forth, how is that... Well, they just recently incorporated as a church, and under biblical law, she's not allowed to be the head of a church, number one. And anybody that wants to go and say that in the end days that changes, no, it does not. It says women will rise up and be teachers, not preachers, and no woman should ever lead a church. Prophesy, prophesy, right? Didn't they mention women as far as prophesying? Yes, some will. They'll dream dreams and have visions, etc. Mm-hmm. But she's not one of them. But she is a good teacher. Um, I've listened to some of her works, read some of her books. I met her on one occasion when she was meeting with President Bush. 
Um, then there are others that I don't like and I feel lead people astray, and I'll name a few of those. Um, Paula White out of Coral Gables, Florida. Um, you know, she's she, Trump's preacher, one of them. She happens to be an advisor to Trump. Um, so is Franklin Graham, and Franklin Graham's about as liberal as you can get. Um, really? And still be a Christian. I don't see him as liberal. Oh, I Franklin, see him as very moderate. Franklin Graham is a Democrat's Democrat. Tell you another is one he really? A Democrat. Tell you another one's a Democrat, too, and that is uh, Gordon Robinson. Pat Robertson's son. He's a big liberal. But preachers that I feel that lead people astray, uh, Pat Robertson, Joe Osteen, Preflo Dollar, um, oh, what is his T. name? T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes' biggest problem, the Potter's House, T.D. Jakes knows the foundation of the word. He just misapplies it. He's another well, He just came out for the LGBT community. Saying well, that. that's... That's what I was getting ready to say. Uh-huh. He's done that, but he's doing that. He's pandering because, right. you know, there's a lot of gays at the Potter's house where he pastors. Um, but let's go talk about the United Methodists because well, the United Methodists. Oh, no. hang on a minute. I don't want to, you know, belabor the issue because it's a sin. We know it. There's no argument there. It's That's biblical. So, however... You know, show me a church that doesn't have sin in it. Well, that's not the that's not the point that you're not to have sin in it. You're supposed to have sin in it. Because remember, a church is a hospital. Treat well, the church I'm as a saying, hospital. I, you know, I really don't foresee it being an issue. Oh, it's, but it's a big like one. Saying, you know, here's, here's where the here's where here's where it becomes the issue. This is where it's going to be the problem. Okay. <sighs> Here, here's where the problem is. Is it acceptance in the in the lifestyle and marriage? Nope. I, it's not even that. Because the church can... Listen, I will not marry a gay couple. Period. End of discussion. I will not do it. If I okay? was a man of the cloth, I wouldn't either. I will not. I have made it very clear that I will not. But in the church, leadership roles. Okay? This is what all this is about. This is about getting into leadership roles. In conservative churches, Baptist, uh, conservative Methodist, your Pentecostals, Church of God, Church of Christ, you're not getting your foot in a leadership role if they suspect you're an Adam and Steve kind of guy. If you're an a what? An Adam and Steve Adam instead and of Steve Adam and Eve. Kind of guy. <laughs> okay? okay? It's not going to happen. And what they're doing is they're doing this just like the Presbyterians, just like the Episcopalians, and what the United Methodists try to do, they're trying to get little words changed in the church covenants so that they can meander their way into leadership roles. And then once they're in the leadership roles, then they change. That's what happened with the Episcopalians. It's what happened with the Lutheran, uh, Lutheran Church. It's what's happened with the, um, oh shoot, the other one I just mentioned. Um, Methodist? The, no, it's, uh, oh, starts with a P. Pentecostal? No, Pentecostals are pro, pro life. 
Um, oh, oh, shoot. The Episcopalians, the Presbyterians, that's it, the Presbys. Oh. You know, the Presbys already have split off into two different factions over it. The United Methodists voted today to not allow gay ministers and that ministers had to be married to someone of the opposite sex. Here's the issue. The United Methodist Church already has gay preachers. I was going to say, I thought that that was the case, but I wasn't sure. I, did, I don't know. I've well, here's, here's what's going to They do. Here's what's going to happen. Now the fight's going to be over property. They're going to want to split off. Now, what has happened recently, because this happened with the Baptists not too long ago, the Baptists began reeling in their flocks and saying, look, you're going to carry our name. That's what you're going to do. Well, the Catholics have swept in and bought up all the excess properties. It's God's property. The Catholics have been. No, it's actually not. This isn't about the buildings and, and the property. It's not about, those properties aren't about God as much as people want to make it that way. It's not. Because God's not about things. When you go in and you worship, he doesn't give two craps if you worship in a barn or if you worship in a magnificent auditorium. Okay, I, I don't disagree with you. All I'm saying is is that any fine, any kind of gain is from God. It belongs to God. It's not theirs. So this is why I don't, you know, and it, and it all goes back to serving one or the other. You don't serve God and money. I'm Listen, I happen to agree, but there's about to be a big split with the Methodists. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't surprise me if 20 to 25% of the United Methodist bunch, when this ruling come down today, started their own paperwork to branch off. It will happen. Um, is it a good thing? Maybe. Because what we're finding in in churches across the country is that conservative churches that stick to the principles are thriving and your gay and lesbian churches are dying. I'll give you an example the church in Nashville where it was all about the gays and the lesbians, the pastor come out as gay and uh, told his wife to take a hike that his boyfriend was the, uh, was the real humdinger. And so you <laughs> had, you, <laughs> I, I was going to say something else, but I decided not to. Wait, you said that just <laughs> Well, I'm Dingalinger might have been better, but still. Um, he announced it. Well, the following Sunday, um, the straight people of the congregation had hightailed it, including one Carrie Underwood. And the gays had overtaken it. And the crowd was basically the same size, just a different makeup. And... I'm just going to tell you right now, the gay community or LGBTQ plus minus over under automatopoeia do not do not give. So what were they finding is they were finding that they couldn't keep the church afloat. 
Yeah, well, they're the same ones that stand all together and, and uh, celebrate abortion, too. Yes. When we, back in 2008, seven, 2007, one of the first church shootings in the country happened at the Universalist Unitarian Life Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. I was the second first responder through the door with an active shooter. Okay. Hmm. Now, I'd never been inside of one of these churches before, didn't know what they did. They were doing a very, very homosexualized version of Orphan Annie. Oh, no. Okay. When this shooting happened. And you don't think about it until you're, you know, you don't really pay attention to the stuff while you're, you're doing what you need to do and avoiding the crazy maniac in the process. Uh, but afterwards, I had an opportunity to kind of think about everything. And so several pastors had come out and, and was standing there, and most of them didn't know what was going on there either. And so all these cross-dressers, drag queens, uh, homos, pole lickers, etc., come out. And we're just like, oh. <laughs> uh, and, and so in the in the in the weeks after this event, great effort was taken by the local media to cover the fact that this was a gay and lesbian church. Mm-hmm. Now, why did I tell this? I tell this to tell that the largest benefactor to that particular church was a straight man, and he had donated $194 million to this church. Oh, my God. Yep. To be divvied out over 194 years at a million dollars per year. That is how they funded. So when we looked at their their offerings and, and tithing that was taken up each week, it was not enough to cover the bulletins that get printed per week, yet this was a 600-plus member strong church. Oh. Yep. A million dollars a year? and they Sounds like an absolutely asinine investment. Well, he didn't know the church had morphed. So he didn't know that they were going to become oh, wang-danger sinners. Oh, Lord. Well, I'll tell y'all one that'll make you laugh. That's a, that's a real, that's a real perfect example of why you don't put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> right. Well, I'll give y'all one that'll make you laugh. Back in my younger years, uh, as many of y'all know, I did the circuit for the Baptist, and they'd call me up and send me places and be like, "Okay, so and so, they need a pastor this week." Well, they sent me to a little church. And they're like, look, they they ain't been part of the the circuit all that long. We don't know a lot about them. They've been here about a year. Um, They can't seem to find a pastor, so go, you know, we want you to fill in there as the interim pastor until they can find somebody. Okay. So as is customary, the pastor rolls up, meets with the board, governing board of the church, the elders, deacons, as you call them. Well, most of them were talking like this. So I'm like, okay. 
And I was told in no uncertain terms at this meeting of topics I was to avoid. Okay, fair enough. So that following Sunday morning, I roll into the church, and it is my custom. I don't, when I when I first go into one, if I'm the interim, I don't interfere with anything going on. They show me where the, what in show business would be called a green room, and I do what I need to do, whether it's, you know, prayer time, study time, sleep time, <laughs> whatever the case may be. Um, you show me where I park myself until I'm introduced, and that's where I'll be. So I get introduced, and I get up in front of this crowd. Now, mind you, it's the first time I've seen them. And my jaw could have hit the floor. I saw drag queens. I saw trannies. You name it, I saw it. That definite plus after the LGBTQ plus would definitely apply here. Well, what was the meeting with the elders of the church about what topics did they give you? Oh, I wasn't allowed to talk about homosexuality being a sin. I wasn't allowed to, you know, certain things that would give you a clue of a, this is a left-leaning okay. kind of church. You had an idea of what you were walking into. <laughs> um, I, I did suspect that it was probably going to be very liberal. I did not expect to see uh, Jim and Barney's freak show. So, first sermon, first sermon was about love. And shoot, I was surprised some of them didn't stop, drop, and go right there. Because, listen, people don't understand. When you are standing up at the podium, (laughs) you can see all kinds of things. Okay? When you are standing standing behind the pulpit, (laughs) you see a lot of stuff. And they all said, yes. Ah, Tinker Pot. What are you doing? What are you doing? You speaking, you speaking to me? No, I'm not. I'm speaking to Diana. Say hi. Say hi. She ain't going to talk. Hi. Hi, Diana. She ain't going to talk. So anytime she comes in here, she either looks. I've got a Yoda statue that sits up here, and I've got, it's got a Tennessee toboggan on holding an American flag. And uh, I'll take a picture of it and put it on Facebook so y'all can see it. I'll put it in the chat. But she either stares at that, and then I have me and the boss lady side by side in a wipey box. In a what? In a wipey box. Oh. Well, you know, she's so full of crap, I figured we'd go ahead and put her in a wipey box. Hang on, I'm going to send it to you. I have a question for you. Hang on just a second. There. She's going to take a picture of the wipey box in Yoda. Oh. Well, you have to zoom out so they can see Yoda holding the flag instead of holding the... Oh, no, 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 no. Happy knuckles. Happy knuckles. Yeah. You going to say Hi. Yeah, say hi. Oh. Oh. She didn't like being turned away from that. So if any of you all are near your computers, 
you can How go look. Huh? How old is Diana? She was born December the 11th, so she's almost three months. Oh, wow. She's getting there. Oh, Yoda. Okay. Oh, God. So see, there's Yoda holding the American flag. (laughs) And then there's me and the boss lady in the wipey box. And she's the... Superman, super Wonder Woman. She's Wonder Woman. Where on your computer? Huh? But where is on your computer? I put it in the ragtag chat. Go look in the ragtag chat. (coughs) Okay. I would. I wish you'd get a fee. But yes. Bye bye. He will. Yoda will talk to you. He will teach you the ways of the Force, and he has a lightsaber. I've got the flag being held up where his lightsaber goes. <laughs> Let me see if I can get this to... I want to get a whole picture of him holding on. There we go. Oh, you know, I must say, before we close here, but... For one, there you go. I have to agree with Diane Feinstein. Okay. She, there's a video floating around um, of seven-year-olds that were herded into her office, obviously indoctrinated by their teacher and their parents, and tried to tell Diane that she should vote for the Green New Deal because as one seven-year-old told her, scientists have told us that we only have 12 years left, and this is going to have an impact on us. Uh, and, short of, and short of telling the children to echo, um, she was very polite and said, you know, I've been doing this 30 years, and I think I know what I'm doing. Um, she wasn't rude. She just gave them a dose of reality and told them that, you know, it will take us longer than 10 years to even start to correct what we've done wrong. And we don't have the money and we can't afford it. So well, goodbye, get your lollipops at the door. You know, for, for, what kind of teachers teaching their kids that it was a scientist that said that, not yeah. a congresswoman that's 29 years old? Right, well, exactly what I said. listen, this is, <sighs> I mean, I just think it's, I, I just think, I, I had to watch the video uh, a few times because I could not, you know, seven years old, what was I doing at seven years old? My main concern was finding out if Santa Claus was a, a real person or not and uh, whether I could go out and play after I did my homework. You know, so and if the hot had not been washed off the, by the rain. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I'm sorry. I mean, that's the truth. Well, if we were, parents world, took, a, took an oath back in the day to shelter their children, to keep their children protected from the world and all the bad 
club that's in it. They didn't take them and take them under their wings and try to be their best friend and teach them everything that they think that they know that they don't, half of them. It's it's pathetic is what it is. And not only that, but then on top of everything else, you take all the electronic devices that they're on, and they're using that to, to keep them from having to parent. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's scary is what it is. Well, yeah. I'm going to tell you. And the comment was kind of innocuous at the time that Boss Lady made it, but Boss Lady will occasionally come in here and while I'm working and sit at her craft table. And just admire it how handsome. Sounds like you said she sat at her craft table. <laughs> she will she will admire how handsome her guy is and think about how lucky she is to have this greatness. And so Oh, there's that delusion of grandeur coming out of you again. <laughs> I heard that. So, so then she she's sitting here, and, and she had been on the phone with with her oldest daughter, and she made a comment to me. She said, you know, she said, not only are my, you know, she was talking about her two oldest daughters, not only uh, um, are they my daughters, but they're becoming my friends. And, again, that, that didn't speak a whole lot at the time. I kind of, you know, I'm one of those that I think about things randomly. And I thought back to that comment yesterday, and that shows the kind of parent that she has chosen to be. Well, how she old are the kids? Well, 21, or excuse me, um, Brooke is 22. And okay, so you're talking about young adults. There's nothing wrong with that at that age. I'm 22 and 18. I know okay, there's, there's not a problem. wrong with that at that age. I'm it's aware. Can, can, I finish, can I finish my statement? Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. You're in the box. You're in the box. Because finishing my statement will make it all make sense. And so I was thinking about that yesterday and thinking about the type of parent that she had chosen to be. And the type of parent that she had chosen to be was to be a parent first, no matter how they felt about her. And now that she doesn't have to do that role as much in such a way with them now that they're young adults, that she can focus on being their mother and their friend. Right. And it just, it, it spoke a lot to me about how she is as a parent. And I was very proud of that. And so well, mentioning I that allowed me to, to throw that in there. So I think, I think when we're growing up, we tend to first view our parents as authoritative, you know, people because, you know, they're molding you, um, Telling you what's right and what's wrong, and you know, I I know as a teenager I rebelled, or his word rebellion, and and you're right. As you grow older, you know, you tend to now see, as my father used to say, you know, when you're 18, your parents know nothing, and then when you turn 21, you discover how right they were, you know. Right. <laughs> and it's true. My my mother and I became best friends. 
you know, after all the years of fighting, after all the years of fighting and all the years of crying and, you know, slamming doors, we became best friends. So, you know, I I know exactly where you're coming from. Are we keeping you up, too? <laughs> no, 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 but I am on Eastern Time, don't forget. Well, it's only nine eighteen. Yes, it is. It is, and and uh, I just didn't. I didn't sleep real well last night, so I'm a little on the tired side tonight. It's okay. Well, I work through it. I'm a big girl. <laughs> this is this is a primarily more easygoing flow show than normal. I am going to get back to. That's because the stuff that's been in politics has been so flippin' hair-raising, disgusting, and yeah. insidious that we don't want to talk about it. Well, Good morning, the, Vietnam. You know, and you know, I'm not even going to talk about. I, I will say this about the about this summit. Number one, this summit was agreed to so that Kim Jong Un could travel by train. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no U.S. president should step foot in the People's Republic of Vietnam without having a massive, massive, massive military presence behind them. And all he needs to do is go into Ho Chi Minh, tell him, hey, look, what we should have finished in 1973, we're going to do now. You have a good day. Get on Air Force One and leave and give the order to bomb that damn island into oblivion. I have no use for any slack-eyed son of a bitch that lives on that island. None of them. Oh my goodness! Out comes the out comes that that, uh, that discriminating taste you have. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, every last one of them should be bombed straight to hell, because every last one of them is going to have to answer for what they did on that island when the United States servicemen did their damnedest to liberate them from Ho Chi Minh, and they chose to be on one side during the day and another side at night. And you know what? They're still doing that crap. So I have absolutely no compunction or well, whatsoever. Who decided to meet there? Why couldn't they meet somewhere else? It was you either know. there or China, and we have issues going on with China right now. Be considered yeah. a sign of weakness, so you go. I mean, I, listen, I don't blame Trump for setting it up. But as soon as he leaves, we need to send some AWACS bombers over there and bomb the shit out of that island. No. You know, I will not. Well, and no, listen. we don't. Why, what, what good? What, what purpose does it serve after all these years? Well, what good would it do? What purpose would it serve that. other than to take out a bunch of human life? The patients that I took care of in the VA were post-Vietnam veterans. And I watched them suffer with PSPD and schizophrenia. And I know how bad, I know it was bad for a lot Listen, of men. I have no, I have seen my father jump up, think that we were the Viet Cong. Okay, and and I've told this story of when he we had to get his guns away from him because he literally thought we were the Viet Cong. Wow. And the effect. I know people that still. Yeah, they still suffer. The, the effects of the Agent Orange and the deadly stuff that they used. Uh, listen, I don't. I. It, it's it's the same as North Korea. Okay, if North Korea is making efforts to come into the 21st century, and we want to end hostilities with them, fine. 
But as far as I'm concerned, the hostilities towards Vietnam are not ended. No. Okay? As a matter of fact, if it weren't for U.S. clothing manufacturers, Vietnam wouldn't have an economy. And no, I will not buy anything made in Vietnam. I will tell you right now, I saved for months for a trench coat. I really wanted that trench coat. I saved and saved till I had the money, went to the store to get it at the Tanger Outlets. Went in there, checked the tag, something I should have done to begin with. I didn't. Saw that it was made in Vietnam. Guess what I did not buy? And I heard I heard it in my ear all the way back home. I can't believe you're going to not buy something because it's made in a certain country. Well, you're damn right. Yeah. I have a, um, I knew somebody that to this day still wakes up in night sweats and relives and would actually kiss his wife. I mean, not you know, not deliberately, but it was just because he 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 was a um, he was on a B fifty two, and he he was the one that dropped bombs, and he so, was never talking about it. So, I have yeah. my dad. My dad hasn't talked about it. I read most of. I found out most of what he did by reading his DD two fourteen, which he was not thrilled to find out that I had done. It's terrible war. But, and how we treated them, and how we treated them when they came back. Yeah, yeah, that was, you know, but that, but again, it is, it is, um, it's, it's in the past, and uh, no, no not for, not, not for a lot of them. It's no, an everyday they still thing. No, suffer to this day. I lost a good now, friend. Now she, she is ago. right. I, I'll give her props on this. She's right that the actual conflict yeah. was never a war. It was a conflict. Is over. Not it's only over. that, also it's kind of like the Democrats promoting racism all the time. You know, I mean, at, there has to come a point in time where we decide as a people that we're going to take and put things that have happened in the past aside. That doesn't mean we go right. around destroying right. statues and forget what happened. Right. But what I'm saying is, is that we learn from it and we move forward. So basically what you're saying... I get it now, okay. So what you're saying is since Muslims in the past knocked down two buildings and killed 3,000 people and in the past practiced those evil things that we should forget about that and all Muslims are good Muslims. Hold on a minute there, Bubba Louie. That's not in the past. That's been in the last two decades. Okay, we're talking about that's that's real recent and that's real fresh. And not only that, but let's look at the beheadings that have happened in the but, United States. But so is so is but so is and how the about all the rape stuff that's going on over in Europe? Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. but that is a real terrorism is a real issue now. That's something and that we're guess dealing what? with now. Racism and, guess and slavery what? slavery died years ago. People wouldn't let it go. Slavery did die years ago. But the point the point that I'm making the point that I'm making is that Vietnam, a communist country, is aligned with China, is aligned with North Korea, is aligned with Russia. I understand all that. And and I realize that and I hope they are still they are still a threat to the national security 
of the mm-hmm. United States. Ergo, they are a threat to Great Britain. They are a threat to France, Germany, any other member of NATO. They are a threat to Israel. And no, I don't feel bad at all for my belief system in dealing with them. And listen, if it were up to me, I wish China would start something in the South China Sea with the United States. Because China would find out real quick that they may have a lot of people, but we got smart bombs that can kill a lot of people. And listen, I'm not listen, I'm not advocating war, I'm really not. But I think the days we know that after World War II. The days the days of the United States being little punks and having to deal with these tin pot dictators and these tin pot communist fools. The only reason that China is able to survive under the communist party that they do is that their economy is a capitalist economy. Mm-hmm. If they had a true socialist economy, they would be dead like Russia. Russia has mm-hmm. nothing. Where Vladimir mm-hmm. Putin gets all of the stuff he's got is beyond me. But it ain't, yeah. well, I know where he gets it. He gets it from the, the sale of oil, which is why nobody wants to see the United States become an exporter of oil because then we become a major player. And who are you going right. to do business with? You're going to do business with a tin-pot dictator in Russia, or you're going to do business with the leader of the free world. I'm going yeah, leader Ronald, of the free world. Ronald Reagan is the one that stopped all that with uh, Russia. When he tore down that wall, I mean, that was... Well, he, he, run, he run Russia into the ground by outspending Right, right. And the truth of the matter is, and China knows this. This is why China's not going to say squat. China knows that when the United States gets pissed off, see, there's a difference between China and Russia and us. When Chinese government gets pissed off, they're the only ones that gets pissed off because the people really don't care. As a matter of fact, most Chinese people would prefer to be in the United States. Okay? Same with the Russians. But when the United States gets pissed off, it isn't our government that gets pissed off. It's the people. Right. Why do you think it is that with with so many different people, peoples from different countries wanting to come here, why is it that the people that are running our country, that half of them want to destroy it, what it is? Because. Figure that out. Because it boggles my mind. Because that we're having to fight our own, I mean, fight wars, that's one thing. Fight a war within your own government, that's something else. At the end of the day, and, and you mark my words on this, one of two things is going to happen in this country. Something's going to galvanize the people together, and they're going yeah. to rise up against those idiots in the government, and that is coming. I honestly mm-hmm. believe that there is more, and I know there's, you know, this is a cliche to a lot of people, but there is more that unites us than divides us. And there's way and, more of us than them. <laughs> and I can promise you that the last thing you want to do is piss off 205 million gun owners. Oh, yeah. Okay? Oh, yeah. And not only do you, do you manage to piss off those gun owners, But if you think that the families and the friends of those people don't know how to use those guns, you are sadly mistaken. Okay? One of the first things I did 
as a parent was to teach my kids how to use a gun, what it was, okay, how to use it, and how to point and shoot. I pointed. And how I to them, I taught them with watermelons. I left. I left a gun laying out in my house for no other reason than to get them used to seeing it and to not touch it. The only time they were to touch the gun is if, hey, if Dad said that we're going to go shooting, I taught them how. As a matter of fact, and uh, when my children first started high school, they were still being taught um, gun safety, and you would take you would take your gun to class. I mean, you would you would take it to school, and uh, that's the way it was. But it was here too. Ain't okay. And so I I have I'm just at the point that um you have you have to yeah listen I'm I'm not in favor of of us going against our government I'm not not right now okay but I well, I'm not either because I think there's enough people still involved there that do have the best interests well, of our people in mind. But boy, I'm telling you what, it, it's it, it's getting to the point where sometimes it's half and half. I just saw a, a statistic today that between the ages of 18 and 34, there is overwhelming support for the Green New Deal. And what I tried to tell somebody on Twitter was that I lived through socialism. I know you did too, Green Bean. I'm not sure that political Superman is old enough to remember. But we saw the rise socialism wanted it what it did these children have no idea absolutely no idea what socialism is what it does to a country all they have to do is look at Venezuela and what's going on down there we know that but they won't bother well, it's not. It's, it's and, not and not only that, but school. let's not forget that people that are young think that they have this invincible wall built yeah. around them, and that nothing bad can happen to them. And they're yeah. looking at the free stuff, and they're looking at saving their own lives yeah. by getting rid of guns. There's just a whole lot of uh, stuff that they that these liberals are pumping into our kids. That is just, and not only that, but you know, there again, let's. Let's not get off on the school subject, but I'm here to tell you there are companies of liberals who are vying for the contract to write new textbooks all the time. They're not being taught in school about socialism. No, I don't know why. They teach on it, but they're very, very, very brief. It's like blip, and like you know, the kid half the kids probably didn't even read it. No. And they don't want it at home either. And that's a shame. You know. Well, I, I tell you, and Sir Obama 
ushered in a whole lot of indoctrination about Islam in the schools. You know it. I know it. We live through that, too. So, you know, um, and, and another thing, our parents, when we had the, when the, when the, God love the Beatles, when they first came out, you know, our parents, remember, when I had Sullivan, and all of our parents were like, oh, God, you know, I can't, it's going to oh, make yeah. it, ah. Oh, and yeah. you know what? Oh, yeah. I mean, we did we did take the take it to the next step. We did push the envelope. We pushed the envelope with rock and roll. We pushed the envelope with sex. We pushed the envelope with drugs. We pushed the envelope with alcohol. And what do we have in the 70s, 80s, and 90s? We have alcohol and chemical dependency centers that are rising up like crazy. Um, so you know, we haven't done everything right. You know, so it is, it's, there's been a progression of things and, and it, you know, I, I'll never forget, God love my grandmother who was born in 1893, my dad's mother was older when she had him and then my parents were in their thirties when they had me. She sat on the end of the couch and she used to say, throw her hands up in the air and say, what's this world coming to? (laughs) I find myself. Oh, what's this world coming to? And she would watch the news. She loved big time wrestling too, by the way. (laughs) I I just never thought I would see in my lifetime that people would try to dismantle what our framers did two hundred and forty years ago. Well, if you think about it, if you think about it, sometime in the 80s, I want to say it was the 80s um, and 90s, you know, the the level of patriotism in this country dropped drastically. I mean, you, you didn't hear, when we were kids growing up, every town had a Memorial Day parade. You know, every many towns had Fourth of July parades and celebrations, and nowadays a lot of them don't. I know. I watched the movie The Patriot the other night again. I love that movie with Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. And it just, I I can't, I can't tell you how I get so overwhelmed every time I watch that movie. To think what my ancestors, your ancestors, did to make sure that we had freedom. And it oh, yeah. I have great grandfathers that fought in the American Revolution. Yeah. And I know a lot about their lives. Their lives have been written about. So it's, and great, it's fascinating, I tell you. My great great grandfather. Nehemiah um, fought with the Green Mountain Boys in Vermont when he was 16 years old. Well, I had a grandfather, Cornelius Ludlow, from New Jersey, who protected um, George Washington up in the mountains of Jersey when... And uh, the Revolutionary War was going on. Protect They there was a big, huge camp where they would protect him from the British. Wow. See, and I, and I think, and I'm watching this movie, and I'm going, how? Where did it turn? Now you don't want freedom. 
now you're and what they went through to have it. What they went through to yes. have it. I mean, fighting for yes. it from the, the from the yes. very first moment that the country started, but fighting for it like they did, and then George Washington drive, riding across the bridge there in New York, you know, declaring freedom for the country or the colonies, and. All of the things that and, – and then what happened since then? All of the people that left when they opened up the Northwest Territory and people that left up in the Northeast and they started venturing out and going places, how many people ventured west and went clear out to the West Coast and how many people that in my family that came south and, and so forth that that were up in the Northeast and came to, to Ohio and settled there, coming down the – um, Ohio River from Erie, Pennsylvania, and settled in Montgomery, Ohio, and they were from Montgomery, New York. That was where they lived in the 1700s, and they settled Montgomery, the city of Montgomery, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cincinnati. Wow. My, uh, so, I like the story about Patrick Henry when he gave that speech. He said, give me liberty or give me death. And yep. I said, well, you're, what he actually meant was he didn't want to die and he didn't want to be, you know, killed. But he said he would rather want to die if he had to live without liberty. You know, but these people today, they just don't get it. They, they don't understand. Well, there's other people that have well, said I'd rather die on my, die on my feet than... than... Uh, live on my knees. But, I mean, where did it, I mean, these kids have no idea. And they they hear Nancy Pelosi talk about her taking the oath and upholding the Constitution. Made me laugh. I laughed for five minutes before I could respond to it. (laughs) Yeah. I said, you know, you haven't you haven't upheld the Constitution in years, lady. I said your oath means nothing. Because your oath was to protect the American people. And you're not. You're protecting illegal immigrants. Yeah, she's pocketing um, her in her pocketbooks. Oh yeah. Um you know, I mean, the biggest the story about the people that settled in this country are all the farmers that went out and they built their homesteads from scratch. I mean, from woods, you know, and they farmed the lands and they fought. The, they had to fight the Indians, some of them to stay alive and some of them, many, many of them lost their lives. Yeah. And they had eight and ten kids so that they had people to work their farms. Mm-hmm. I had a grandfather that was born at sea on his way over here. These people came by boat clear across the ocean yeah. to make this a country of something something different. Yeah. And to escape the oppression that they had, religious oppression that they had over in Europe. Yeah, and we are a land of immigrants, true, but legal immigrants. My grandmother, um, my great grandmother died childbirth, giving birth to my great grand to my grandmother on yeah. the way from Ireland, on the way from Ireland. But she was adopted, 
But, you know, these people that throw around that phrase, well, we are a land of immigrants, I said, yeah, we are. And they came the right way. And when they got here, they were so happy to be here, and they loved this country so much, they became legal citizens. They didn't fly the flag of Ireland. They didn't fly the flag of Germany or England. They flew the flag of America. Right, and, and they didn't try to, to, to stay in the culture that they came from. They brought what was good from their cultures, yeah. Oh, yeah. and they left the rest behind to become Americans. Mm-hmm. They didn't come right. in demanding that things be their way, and that's mm-hmm. the difference between a lot of the Islamic people and our, and our culture, coming in, mm-hmm. people that have come from there, coming in mm-hmm. here. So, but I do believe that there are some that are radical and that there are others that do want to assimilate. The problem is, is that when they, you have a tenet of your religion that suggests that lying is okay for the sake of Allah, as long as it advances mm-hmm. the kingdom, then who can you yeah. trust? How can yeah. you trust any yeah. of them? That's, that's, there yeah. lies my problem, and, and I don't mean to be that way. <laughs> I know. Just the way it is. You know, Mike, I would handle the same thing, my kids the same way. The difference is I love my kids unconditionally. But don't lie to me. I, I, that's the one thing I don't. Yeah. That's the one thing my mother always used to say. She said, I don't care what you tell me. You know, she said, but don't lie to me. But yeah. mothers always know anyway. I mean, you know. <laughs> my daughter didn't lie outwardly. She lied by omission. She would keep things under wraps for six months, and then she'd say, yeah. oh, by the way, six months ago I did blah, 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 thinking that I wouldn't get upset about it, see, yeah. because it was yeah. in the past. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> my mother asked that was her teenage years. <laughs> my mother asked me, uh, said, have, you ever, have you ever smoked marijuana? And I said, yeah. I thought for a second before I said it. Are you kidding? I grew up in the 70s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She said, did you like it? And I said, not really. She said, you're going to do it again? I said, probably not. And I never did. So, you know, it's just one of those things. Are you still there, political Superman? Yep. Okay. Boy, he's been so patiently letting us talk. I am proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very, very much. That was great. Yeah, thank you. Not a problem. Glad I could help out. (laughs) Well, you know something? I do want to say this. Um, It's kind of, in a way, it's refreshing because with, with what Trump's doing with North Korea, now granted, the whole, you know, being where he's going and all that is not a great thing, but what he's attempting to do, I think, I, I want to give him props for that because along with Reagan's various decision-making that he did while he was uh, the president, he also, you know, talked of peace and, and you know, um, didn't want to be enemies with people in countries, leaders of countries. And so, um, you know, that, and that's something, quite honestly, that's been missing from our presidency for quite a while. Um, you know, I, I, I always saw Bill Clinton as Slick Willie, and I saw Obama as the same way. He was just a snake. 
the bushes, eh, you know, I felt like there was an, an axe to grind with Hussein. So, you know, and again, that's my personal opinion. That was my takeaway. Um, you know, if I had to sum it up in a few short words. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, in that regard, what, what Trump's doing, I, I like that. I just feel like that there is, I know he's a smart man, but I don't know him. You know what I mean? And you hear people saying things that are like, you know, he doesn't really understand a lot of certain things with regards to government and functioning and so forth because he wasn't a politician, et cetera, et cetera. And so I would, the only thing that concerns me or any concern that I have is I would not want for there to be a mistake made out of naivety. And, you know, is it possible for a 71- or 2-year-old man to be naive about things? I don't know, you know, because I've never been raised with in – in a, in a monetary type of shelter that he was. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong, I was. My parents were fairly well off when I was a youngster. And, you know, they did well. My dad did well for himself, had his own business, et cetera. And, um, you know, but we weren't rich by any stretch. We weren't millionaires like what he grew up in. So in that regard, I think there's a little bit of um, area where they can't re- he can't really relate. Does that make sense to anybody, or is it just mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Well, no, we, we understand, or at least I, I get it. But I want to go back to... The Bush thing. And you knew I was coming back to this when you said it. Well, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, you know, and I will only say this. I distinctly recall with the first desert war, or first first world that war we did in over in, in the Gulf, that was announced by his dad when he was dad was president. Correct. And, you know, when he announced it, he said verbatim, because I listened to every word and I clung to everything he said, because back in those days, they had just started televising, and CNN was where everybody saw it. The bombings that would go on. Sure. Do you remember that too, Barbara? What's that? I remember it. Okay. okay. Well, I didn't know if you were, I mean, I, I know you've been around a while, but, um, you know, it's hard to know where the cutoff date is with you, political Superman. So... I'm just saying, you know, CNN was the one who used to show all the bombings and so on and so forth. And when they came on TV in the 80s, when he came on in the 80s and announced the first Gulf War. was the 90s. East. Right. Sorry, 92. early 90s. 91. Yeah, because my daughter was 10, so sorry. She was born in 80. I lose track of time a little bit. But anyway, um what I was trying to say was that he said verbatim, we will not stop. When he announced the war, we're sending our guys over, and we're not. We're going to liberate Kuwait, and we will not stop until Saddam Hussein is removed from power. And he talked very lengthy about who he was and what he did to his people. And I'm not saying the guy wasn't a monster. 
and I but and I know that 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 the Bush family dealt with a whole lot of backlash, verbal backlash from him, threats and so on and so forth from him. But it just seemed to me like there was this. We're gonna go. We're gonna go. We're gonna go. We're gonna go. We're gonna go, and we're and we're selling it to the nation that we're gonna go. Okay, we did. It was never meant to be alone. You're talking about Desert Storm? It wasn't meant to be anything lengthier than what it was. We only went Correct. in there for a purpose, and that was to, to for Kuwait because Saddam Hussein was overtaking their oil rigs. Now, I understand that. People, understand that. A lot of people. He, in that speech, people, he specifically said, we will not, we will not relent until Saddam Hussein is removed from power. Well, okay. okay. Now, now whether he meant from the power with regards to Kuwait or whether he meant overall, he well, didn't specify. He didn't have uh, – Bush 41 didn't have the authority to go in and take out Saddam Hussein. And that's where a lot of people get confused when they criticize W that he's just finishing up where his father started. No, he wasn't because at the time. I understand that they, it's, it's, there's laws with regards to assassinating a government leader. I get that. Right. Okay. What I'm saying so, is, though, is I mean, look at what ultimately occurred. Yeah, but W only went in there after 9-11. And it wasn't to finish up where this father started. It was because 3,000 people were just murdered. And, yeah, the laws had changed by then. And but he went, in, he went into Iraq as a place yeah. where terror was? When, Saudi, when the people that flew those were from were Saudi nationals? Okay. Let me. You're going to have to help with this political superman because you know what? You were on the inside. So help with these questions. Okay. The vast majority of those men, that all of them that were involved in those planes, were Saudis. First of all, going into Iraq had absolutely zero, and let me stress the number zero to do with 9-11. Okay. Right, it had to do with weapons of mass destruction. What it, what it did do... The American public. That, what it did do is it had the U.S. reevaluate its foreign policy. Okay? What had been happening with Iraq is that ever since the end of the Gulf War in 1992, or 91 into 92 is that international inspectors were to be allowed into Iraq to check on several sites that were being built to process and enrich uranium and to create chemical weapons. I remember that. Saddam Hussein would refuse to allow the inspectors in, and the last three or four visits to several of the sites led to readings of chemical weapons. Then, up in the northern part of Iraq, several Kurds were killed using a chemical weapon. 
Okay. We saw it on our satellites. Several other nations saw it on their satellites. So then in the general the inform- And is that when they went to yeah. the UN? No. What led because them I to remember, go- I distinctly recall watching a very lengthy UN. Um, I don't know. There was a give and go. I don't know what you want to call it. There was, <laughs> but here, here's what happened. Black fella that was serving in, at the time in the military. General Colin Powell. Yeah. yeah. Um, what happened? He there, what happened? And he gave, he gave basically the, the lowdown on what was going on. Here's what happened. U.S. satellites happened to pick up movement of chemical weapons. We knew they were chemical weapons because, well, we had people on the inside. We knew they were large amounts of chemical weapons that were being stored in 17 different locations throughout Iraq. When that information happened, it was taken to the president. Some other things that have remained classified were taken to the president, and the president called everybody in. We were notified exactly two and a half hours before the president was to go on air and to give Uday and Kusay and Saddam 48 hours to leave Iraq. When we did, we were taken into sit room and we were shown some stuff. Okay, fine. Fair enough. When he gave the order for them to vacate... Within the hour of that order being given, United States satellites picked up movement at 17 different locations in Iraq. Mm-hmm. It led to semi-trucks, as far as the eye could see, driving into Syria. They were being loaded right. under cover, driving into Syria. We know what was in those trucks. We know where it went, and we know who had it. Okay. Now, the I have often said that the 48-hour warning that the president gave was a mistake. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's like is, saying, "Here we're coming." There's, there's a bigger picture, though. There, there's a bigger picture, and there's a reason some of that stuff was allowed to go where it was. Okay, it's classified, so that's the end of that discussion. But. Here's what happened. We get into Iraq. Everything is moving forward. Okay, we met a lot less resistance than what we expected. They expected to actually be a fight with the Republican Guard. Um, That didn't happen. What we ended up fighting was the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and whatever other groups they morphed into they actually all converged on Iraq because they were getting their ass kicked in Afghanistan. And so fast forward a little bit, and a lot of stuff was found. But what President Bush did for national security reasons and for reasons of security in that region and other countries buttoned up to Iraq he made the determination that it would be best for all parties involved if a lot of the stuff that was discovered was classified. He knew. 
he knew the minute that he classified that the hit he was going to take. Okay. But but if you knew where the WMDs were, they knew where most of them were. Why would you keep it a secret? That's what he was hammered on by the media. That oh well, he came up with nothing. There are no weapons of mass destruction. He, he did not. He did not come up with nothing. Oh, As I a matter that. of fact, you would be absolutely amazed at what was found. Things that we couldn't even imagine that we didn't even know he had. We found. I know. And I say we, the military. But it didn't come out for a few years that they were well, actually uh, found. When you talk about and stuff then, coming out, you got to remember. The media didn't just turn liberal. Right. And he was a Republican president. And they I haven't know. changed much. They've been this way for a very, very, very long time. Well, Every time I will, there's a I Republican will, president, the liberals are relentless. I will, media, I will tell you this. I, I will tell you all this. The Bush Doctrine, as it's called, you know, for all the hit that he's taken, did you know that to this day the Bush Doctrine is still in effect? Wow. Yep. Obama. It's dealing with terrorists and dealing with war and and criminals and even waterboarding. All of the public talk by Obama about doing away with waterboarding, getting on all that. You know, he never once signed an order changing the Bush doctrine. He kept it. Mm. Also, let me tell you all a couple other little secrets. Some of the people that you think are dead are not dead. Oh, Osama bin Laden? You know that. Well, I'm not talking mean, just about him. You mean the only the, the only world leader I can confirm that was hung by the neck and dead is Saddam Hussein. He dead. Yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. They they killed uh, him before Laden. they killed him before they were supposed to. Oh, really? Oh hell yeah! They strung him up. They took him straight from the courthouse and strung him up. You talking about? Oh, you talking yeah. about Saddam? Yep. I yeah, that. I saw the picture of him after when he was hanging. It was awful. Oh yeah, he did. Uh, well, hell, if you televised it, I mean, the news was like that. That was yep. oh, that was unreal. I'll never forget the raw. <laughs> well, if there's Bad any bastard me. that deserved, if there's any bastard that deserved to swing, it was him. But mm-hmm. having said that, the United States should have had a power structure in place ready to go. Like I said. You know, wait a minute, you made a comment. There's people that we think are dead that are not. Correct. In this country oh. or in in other countries? Oh, well, there's a few in this country, too. <laughs> there's a, a few in this country, too. Elvis. Elvis is dead. He died in 1994. <laughs> 77. He died. He was in 77, dear. He died in 1994. 94. I know know the fact they had him sitting on a toilet seat in 1977. I saw that. I read that. Wasn't Elvis. Wasn't Elvis at all. Well, who did they bury? Nobody. Nobody. Nope. (laughs) That's right. You told me that they 
Nope, they did a sonar. To this day, his body's not in that grave. So did they Come make on. a, what they do? Did they make him a spy or something for the United States? <laughs> oh, no, he was a 5 Boop, boop. Snitch. Okay. He was a snitch, FBI informant. He was a snitch. Okay, I can believe that. He was the five zero. Um, do you know? I do you know what? Do you know? <laughs> do you know where they stuck him? You know where they stuck him as undercover? No, no joke. They put him in in Las Vegas as a. Well, that's uh, not surprising. He'd sit right in there, wouldn't he? As an Elvis he impersonator. That was what he did. <laughs> he oh God! Are you kidding? You know, you've heard the story about Dolly Parton. Uh, going into a Dolly Parton look-alike contest and losing. Oh, no. Did she really? Yeah. She tells everybody that story. She went in Nashville. They were doing a look-alike contest. And she lost. And she lost? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that's just too funny. Well, let me... Okay, I want to ask you this one. Yeah. Okay, just to get the the response, because I know that I'll probably laugh. Um... I have a question. When we discussed the JFK Jr. deal, and you said, you said, and I quote, now listen to me, you said, and I quote, both of those bodies, or all three of those bodies were dead when they got on the plane. So how did the plane take off? I've already answered that question. Remote. No, you didn't. I most certainly did. did answer that question. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. It was used... It was a remote control, remotely done by the United States military. I did, in fact, answer that question. So they were involved with... Oh I, I, I will say that, that it was that technology used. I don't know who flew off the plane. It doesn't say, but I do know that dead before they ever took off. Wow. You know that for a fact. They were gone before they took off. Why did they kill the system? I'm I'm not saying anything else. I'm simply going to say that I know for a teetotal 110% fact that John F. Kennedy Jr. was dead. D-E-D dead before he was ever on a plane over an ocean that crashed. Okay, so was it his body they pulled out of the ocean? He can't say. This is a recorded call. And they didn't do an auto. They did an autopsy and didn't allow any pretty pictures. He can't. Say. And there was a million dollar contract on his life. He can't say. He can't say. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's all right. You don't have to say. I'm just, you know, I'm just picking brains and speculating. I'm not asking you to give up classified information that you may have seen. No, that's not. There are certain people out there in this world that their job is to do things. It's sanctioned by entities within the government. Okay. To do things. Yes. Well, it's like it's like I said. Remember the part in The Godfather where my to do things like take people out. Oh yes, Jill. Yeah. 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 
There are there are people that there are people that will just end up dead. Okay, and nobody will ever know exactly what the reason was. It may be that they died of old age. A pillow was put over their face. They slept with a pillow over their face. Whatever the case may be, there are people that their job, they will, as movie-ish as this sounds, it happens. They get a phone call, and it's a name. And the next thing you know, there's an attache case sitting somewhere that this person sees where there's $500,000 in non-sequential bills sitting there. Okay? That comes from a black ops fund that's controlled by the intelligence committee. As controlled by John Brennan. Um, now, don't you doubt for one minute that that shit don't happen because it does. It happens oh, yeah. under every administration. You will go see, for example, uh, I'll just give you an example. You will see a country. All now, of a sudden, okay, wait a minute. Stop. This is not okay on any level. Well, of course it's not okay, but it happens. Been happening all the way back to the Pinkerton, sweetheart. I'm not going to stop. Vince Foster, Vince Foster. Vince Foster. I know. Vince Foster was killed because Vince Foster ran his mouth. And Vince Foster was not killed at government sanction. Vince Foster was killed by a hired hitman. Very yeah. big difference. He's the only person I know that broke his arms, held a gun to the back of his head, and pulled the trigger. Maybe. <laughs> Seth Rich was not robbed. Nothing. Yeah, that was the name I was trying to think of. I, I couldn't. I couldn't remember his last name. I could remember his first name. Bless young guy. You all, you all, listen to me very carefully, and listen good. There are, in fact, factions in our government that their job is to destabilize others. If you look and you see all of a sudden an area become destabilized, odds are, especially if the U.S. has an interest, odds are the United States did it. Anybody find it odd that Muammar Gaddafi all of a sudden, after years and years of having tight control of his country, just all of a sudden, kaboom, loses control? Bullshit. No. I Did anybody find it strange that... that well, uh, I remember when they went in about Gaddafi. Well, well, Everybody remember a South American country that, although it's been impoverished for years, the dictators managed to have a hold on everything, and then all of a sudden, a... Opposition leader, opposition leader manages to get a lot of the votes. A United States president comes out and puts his vote of confidence behind that guy, and all hell breaks loose. You think the U.S. didn't know what was going to happen when the president oh, came out sure and said that? The president made a calculation. They knew exactly what was going to happen. I'm going to tell you exactly how this is going to play out. The the dictator's done. He's over with. Maduro is going to be removed. He's out. He's it's a, it, they're negotiating it now. Okay, even the generals have started to abandon him, which is what he needs. So now you're going to have yeah. the oppo- opposition leader right up. 
Well, well, I understood they let out the people in prison and gave them positions in his army, in his militia. Yeah, but do you think they're going to remain loyal? No. No. Okay, so now, he gets removed. Right turning, no, they won't. They'll run what, little cockroaches. What, what country is going to come in and help stabilize everything? No, the United no. States. So yeah, but I, thought, I thought Trump wasn't into nation building. He's not. And we're not going to no. attempt to, na- to to rebuild the nation. What we're going to do is go in. We will go in and stabilize it. We'll go in right. and help stabilize right. the economy, stabilize provide. the situation, yeah. provide the backing to the government that they need. The U.S. will do that because now we've created a full ally in South America. Right. See, okay. Nero is not, is not allowed. Do you think that's what Bush was up to in Iraq? No, Bush. Bush was truly, Bush truly believed Saddam Hussein to be a threat with chemical weapons, because Saddam Hussein had demonstrated over the years that he would use them on his own people. No, no, okay. I knew about that. I'm talking about after he was removed from power, and I don't think he was dead yet, but he was removed from power. And I recall um, like a State of the Union speech, and he had brought some people over from Iraq and had him stand up and you know. The what drill. what Bush had hoped for is that the people of Iraq would step up and take back their own country. Right, right, right. Now, I mean, I got that general consensus too. That didn't yeah. happen. Right. Well, so, he pledged X number of soldiers to come in there and help doing the same type thing, though, stabilizing, et cetera. So, we didn't send enough. What should have happened? What should have happened is a group of people should a a military contingent should have been ready to go because people don't understand the way our military is made up. The Marines are the smash and grab group. You want something completely annihilated, you send the Marines to do it. They smash anything in their path. Then you send in the Army to do roads, bridges, straighten everything out, and take control. The Air Force is a support mechanism for the Marines and the uh, Army to make sure that their MOSs can be finished. The Navy is nothing more than transport. That is all they do. They are transport. They wait off the coast. They provide mobile, excuse me, mobile air bases for the Air Force. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. That's their functions. You want something busted up and annihilated, you send the Marines. The Army comes in and bats clean up and starts the building of bridges and roads. What we should have done is flooded that country with military personnel throughout the entire country and really stepped people up and helped them build roads, build bridges, build those things up, provide, you know, the Corps of Engineers. That could have been done, and I think had that been done early on and helped with an infrastructure, get the power grids up and things that we did not do, we left that to the locals. Had the United States done that early on, we would have cut down on a lot of the problems and the people would have risen up a lot sooner. It wasn't until after we started building the schools, building the roads, and doing those things that people began to see that, okay, look, the United States doesn't want to be an occupying force. Um, So in Venezuela, do I think U.S. troops will end up down there? Yes, I do. But I think they're going to end up down there just long enough 
to back up and, and get the police force and the military. Make sure they get food and food stuff in there. And, yeah, um, because correct. I yeah. think the, the Latin people are typically, you know, they, they will round them. So they'll get together and they'll work and get things they're, squared away. I think they're pro-U.S. in Venezuela. They're they're pro U.S. and they're pro U.S. in Venezuela. It's the right. government that's not pro U.S. Right. And you know you have to realize that the United States. You can always tell when the United States is going to go after somebody because they start pumping in what's called Freedom Radio, and basically they're playing American programming, have American political people talking, have American shows going, to give people an idea of what it's like in this country. And then the next thing you know, boom, here's the U.S. trying to help influence that country's policy. Don't always like it, but sometimes it's necessary. In Venezuela, given the threat that Russia's trying to be and trying to move communism back into the region, yeah. uh, I think that once Chavez died, uh, Hugo Chavez, you know, better than the devil you know, same of the reason we left uh, Oak. Uh, no, that moron down in Cuba alone no, uh, for so long is Castro? because yeah Castro. they had they had Fidel Castro in their sights in 1978 and could have blown his head off and they didn't hmm. and the reason they didn't is because they didn't know who would take over because Raul at the time was not was not capable and so they mm-hmm. didn't want to create a vacuum. Here, the United States has been funneling money into Venezuela, helping the opposition. Mm-hmm. And it and would Maduro. surprise me if maybe the United States didn't help manipulate some of that vote, which is why Medulla was very surprised <laughs> when the vote come back not for him. Yeah, well, manure, manure, or manure. Uh, um, Maduro. I know, I know. I'm calling him manure. Manure, manure. Manure, manure. Just call him um, shithead. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Sorry, Lord. He won't even. He won't even allow the aid that's coming in from the U.S. to get to his own people. He's having his own people killed. So, yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I the saw him like that, that. That truck that went in there with food and medicine, that they burned it. Yeah. That was horrible. I know. I know. Um, the thing about Those poor the people. Think, uh, the thing about I tell you the something. I have a friend of mine that is an alumni from my high school graduation, and his wife has been in this country for a lot of years. She's from Venezuela, and she became an American citizen, and she works in the whole nine yards. And her family is all still over there, large portion of them. And um, I, I just, I, my heart just goes out to her. Um, you know, over and, and to him because they have so much concern for them that are over in there. So I don't know how it's going. I haven't talked to Mark to find out just exactly what's going on with them and how they're doing. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 pretty rough over there. Well, I just I had to ask those JFK questions after you brought Elvis up because, you know, I still I'll tell you something. I've seen I'm not into the, all that Q stuff or any of that nonsense, but uh, because they sit there and try to they do the dumbest things. Some of them, some of these people that are trying to capitalize with videos on that nonsense. But 
I have to say that there are a few videos out there that I've seen where, you know, they show this guy, that Vincent Fusco or whatever his name is, on uh, behind Trump at a rally, and the woman sitting there with yeah. him. I don't know. I and I'm telling you, it just, it that just, and it really, you know what? At first I was like, oh, I got so excited, and then I got ticked because I'm thinking, you know, this is not something to joke about. This is not something to, you know. But then I think, oh my God, if there's people in our government that really wanted him dead. You know, there's a reason why they're doing what they're doing, and all these people trying to expose them is not a good thing. <laughs> you know? Well, the people, so the people. I don't know. The, I'm just, this jury is out on it. The whole situation right now. That's the people that say. think. The people that think they're trying to expose something aren't exposing anything. They're going to be led down a rabbit hole of something that that they have no idea. If you think that this hadn't been covered. And oh. that uh, I've heard the most recent one is that he's alive. And they've been saying that for a while. Well, no, the the that. most the most understand. the most recent is they now have proof that he's alive. Well, sorry about you, but that's a rabbit hole. And when they go public with it, and they're planning to go public very soon, um, they're gonna they're in for a rude awakening because they're gonna yeah. be. The whole point about people that do these things, that try to expose the government, they go to discredit you. And Mm -hmm. they've been sitting waiting on this. Okay? They've been waiting on this. But you can't trace it back to Hillary. I mean, we all know that she had a hand in it. But, you know, you'll never be able to... It wasn't about her. It was never about... Look, I was. Senate and won and stuff in yeah, New York. I, no, I get all that and the time frame Junior, and everything. Junior, I get all that. Junior. And she very well may have whatever was involved with it. Uh, what I'm saying is is that with, with what they said, what he's trying to do, what he said he was going to do was expose his father's killer. But Junior was going to run for the Senate in New York. Well, the problem was at the time that, that A, listen, as I said when we talked about this last week, week before. Hang yeah, on it was just a couple well, weeks ago. Hold, hold on just a second. We'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode of Political Straight Talk. We remember you've got to stand for something or you fall for anything. Freedom isn't free. Thank a soldier for without them. We wouldn't have an all-volunteer army. Thank the families of soldiers because they serve too. On behalf of all firefighters out there, I say, may your end of watch be long away. This is the political Superman saying, have a good night, everybody. She died.